everyone. Welcome to your newest episode of the Cosmic Matrix podcast with your host, myself, Laura Matsu, and my husband, Bernhard Gunther. So in this episode, we're going to be addressing a big topic, and it's titled From Karmic and Toxic Relationships to Divine Union. And we're going to be diving into quite a few topics, but really mostly addressing this epidemic of toxic relating that we see happening out in the world. We're going to define in our in our view what makes a toxic relationship, what makes a karmic relationship, why does this happen, and really addressing these idealized images of conscious relationships and what the divine masculine and what the divine feminine should look like that we see kind of floating around in spiritual communities, um, how this is often related to anima, animus projection in relationships, um, and how we healed from these relationships and suggestions on to, to our listeners on what we think is necessary in order to heal from these kinds of dynamics. Um, so before we get into that, we just want to make another quick announcement. So we are doing another round of our Embodied Soul Awakening group coaching program. The next dates for this are going to be July 25th to October 15th. Um, and so for listeners, people who are new to our uh, podcast, this is a group program that we do periodically throughout the year. It's a 12-week private online group coaching program in psychological and spiritual self-work. And we basically designed this 12-week program to help empower you to become a master of reality through mastering two things, really deep inner work to understand yourself and deep outer work so that you can really see the understand the forces that operate within this universe. So basically, we provide a bunch of tools that we find really are most essential to help um, people we work with create profound shifts in their lives. We want to also address that this is very different to traditional self-help programs. This is not a personality development program. We're not going to teach you how to manifest or, you know, um, get into kind of like things that we don't find work, basically. And we just tackle a lot of topics that most people don't usually cover. So we talk about the hyperdimensional matrix control system, occult forces, shadow work, and we also get into some necessary psychological work, like how to work with your triggers, how to work through projections, core beliefs, healing trauma, emotional intelligence, um, ancestral work, inner child work. We also talk about uh, subpersonality work as well. And accessing the higher mind, universal laws, hermetic principles, um, timeline and realm dynamics, divine will, reality creation, evolutionary relationships. And we really dive deep into evolutionary astrology and how that affects our karma, how that relates to past lives. So it's a really diverse uh, chorus. It's very in-depth. It has a lot of material. Um, and if you're looking for a community of people to do this work in, uh, we really invite you to join us and join our next group program. So um, we have the next dates again are going to be July to July 25th, sorry, to October 15th. It's going to fill up way before then. So if you want to apply, go to the time of transition.com. So I'm going to repeat that. There's a the time of transition.com and there's an application form there and you can also read more about it. So. All right. <clears throat> Great introduction. So that's definitely a big topic relationships in general which is more and more coming up for people and it's really fascinating talking about quote-unquote karmic and toxic relationships we are in the middle no, at the end of this six week you know public celebrity drama relationship that went on um between johnny depp and amber heard yeah and you know not to get into specifics and i feel part of it is a whole distraction what's going on in the world this obsession with celebrities and this really intense uh you know exposure of that dirty laundry to the public and yeah. everybody just feeds into that and is fascinated you know you can see that from the celebrity distraction the cult of celebrities and what people are fascinated and kind of just you know waste their time really with uh, watching but it is fascinating to observe uh, from a bigger picture perspective, it's almost a reflection or manifestation of of the bigger collective in light of what's happening in relationships and toxic relationships. Because what they're going through, what, you know, in many ways resemble the archetypal toxic relationship many people have been dealing with. 
in, in, in different ways. And you can also talk about how this also astrologically actually comes to the forefront to the collective. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll read, I'll read something I wrote about that. And basically, in my opinion, the reason that the collective is so obsessed, the term is obsessed, by the way, yes. with the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard saga is that it represents something that's held in the shadows of, of humanity, especially relating to this realm of toxic relationships. So basically in their composite chart, their composite moon and Mars in Scorpio, which is really high drama, is known for these kind of karmic relationship vibe, brings really intense emotional attachments for better or worse. So you can see that they hate with the same death depth that they once supposedly loved each other. And I really put that in quotations. And so their composite moon in Scorpio was recently conjunct the transiting south node of the moon, which is also in Scorpio. So, well, the transiting north node conjuncts their composite sun, Venus and Taurus. So basically the nodes of the, me the, uh, of the moon being in the Scorpio-Taurus axis right now affect us all. So the Scorpio south node is about themes like power, intensity, karmic relationships, shared resources, merge transformation, sex, psychology, abuse of power, sex for power, mind game, secrecy. And the North Node in Taurus is about survival, abundance, pov or poverty, physical resources, values, self-worth, security, simplicity. So while many people are getting drawn into this drama, the drama of this Scorpio, you can see food shortages and survival issues seem to be in the background threatening our security, Taurus. And it's also interesting to think about this access and how unhealed traumas from the past, Scorpio, tend to make us not value ourselves, Taurus. So for those who are compelled to watch the trial, they probably have a little Amber Heard or Do Johnny Depp-like shadow inside of them, whether unconscious or conscious, whether in past, present, or future. So their relationship is really holding up a mirror to the dark past that we can be led down when we explore themes like money, sex, power, powerlessness as well. Because Pluto is known for these extremes, like sudden gains, sudden losses. And you see this in their relationship. At one moment, they were really living this celebrity high life. And now they're getting the dirtiest laundry of their relationship dragged in front of the world for everyone to see. So this could be an opportunity for deep healing for our collective psyche. But the collective is not that self-aware, basically. No. So it's just pure shadow projection. You know, they're, shat they're projecting shadows onto the wall instead of asking themselves... Each person could ask themselves who feels drawn to this trial, what am I seeing in this trial and how is it a reflection of myself, my own psyche and my own intimate relationships? Because they really, with this moon in Scorpio conjunct the transiting south node of the moon, they're really holding up a mirror to the world of toxic relating that many find themselves even more these days. So we're really in this era of broken relationships. There's a lot of traumatized people in the dating pool who do not even know they're traumatized, by the way and who don't even know the basic skills that are needed to build a healthy relationship, especially a healthy long-term relationship with another person. Also, and this is something we're going to get into later, many people have high ideals of romantic love that's also culturally supported by Hollywood, which is really far apart from their capacity to actually maintain a loving relationship. So when two people who are deeply traumatized seek unconsciously to relive their past in relationships, in psychological terms, this is called repetition compulsion. So we repeat what we don't realize we need to heal. So we're basically seeking to relive our early attachment wounds by seeking out the same people who created them. And this is always a failed project. And for those who find themselves in toxic relationships over and over again and have no idea why, this Depp-Herd relationship really holds up a mirror to all the ways that unhealed trauma in childhood often leads us to repeat unhealthy relationships full of drama, chaos, intense highs and lows. And this isn't real love, but a roller coaster of projections. So basically, in my humble opinion, you know, the collective fascination with this case proves it stirs something in people. And it's more than just a psyop or distraction. And it's 
pretty much being used as a distraction. I don't disagree with that. Some people maybe even be very triggered that we're even talking about this. But, you know, the case basically is there's there's something in the collective psyche that's drawn to this case. And I really feel that there's something in our collective consciousness in the realm of toxic relationships purging into conscious awareness and demanding that we really bring the dark side of our human relating to light. And, you know, this relates to this projection. If we could only remember that what we tend to see in our opposite sex relationships is often a clue to the unconscious reflection of ourselves. Wow, very well said. So, yeah, it's very important. Like, we don't, I don't, we don't definitely want to go much deeper into this whole case in itself. Um, most people have also noticed are very just superficially uh, drawn to it. You know, watching it all of it, the fascination and, you know, the the celebrity, you know, uh, putting them on a pedestal and then like all the dirty laundry comes out and then people shadow project intensely on this case as well. And you can see it in two ways. And what's important, what's fascinating to point out is, you know, you can go into the facts, details and each side with their lawyers, you know, <laughs> wants to bring on the truth. But true justice will never be done in the courtroom. Because there's so many other aspects, even like as Laura just described, if you look deeper into into Johnny's depths and Amber Heard's birth chart and the composite chart relationship, there's some deep karmic karma playing itself out. And ironically, if they wouldn't get their uh, toxic, I would say, Scorpio side of revenge and ego side of just uh, reputation involved, they could actually use that, haven't used this relationship, you know, for deep, deep healing. It's not happening. But it's, at it's, all, it's yeah. not happening at all. I think that they don't have the level of being and soul and body to even engage in that. But what I want to point out, in light of shadow projection, what we clearly see is how um, Amber Heard is demonized by everyone, right? The the negative shadow, like pointing us pathological sociopath, liar, borderline, which she may as well be. She has been apparently diagnosed as borderline, and she may as well be lying. I haven't watched much of the court uh, of the whole trial itself but then at the opposite side uh, johnny depp is uh, projected on this this victim he's just this innocent victim and it's very extreme right and that shows that there's some shadow projection happening because it is you know it always takes two to tangle and it doesn't mean it's 50 50 right uh but johnny has his own deep shadow as well especially with this level of drug abuse there's there's some deep trauma and they're both you know withholding information with this scorpio energy if you really look at the composite chart it's just uh, lord this unconscious mechanism they're both hiding they're both lying to varying degrees and they're both very concerned with the public image but it's also fascinating i think what's happening with all these intense negative projections towards amber heard um, she carries also the dark shadow of the me too movement she it became uh, the projectile of you know all these false accusations all that has been done to men even by false accusations and the whole dark side of the me too movement so she carries that shadow now right yeah so let's it's interesting because they you know i don't want to go too much more into the trial and no, like no. the details but let's use them as an archetypal example yeah they're actually, in my view, both a toxic relationship and from looking at their composite, a karmic relationship. So let's define what personally, and this is also obviously our personal definition, but what we find makes a toxic relationship. Okay, abuse, lies, manipulation, using the other person. One person or both tend to have a lot of unhealed trauma and they're not working on it in any way. One partner tends to blame the other and doesn't ever look at their own part. Um, and I want to say too, a lot of people use this term toxic relationships to kind of like project on the relationships that didn't work out. And that's not useful either. And yes, relationships can be very toxic, you know, but blaming the other person doesn't usually create change. It's more important to look at what attracted you to someone like that to begin with. Because usually almost all the time, I think every toxic relationship we've been in, there was always red flags in the beginning and maybe a lot of red flags actually. And we ignored them. And so the question is, is why do we ignore those red flags? Or another thing that can happen is if you have a lot of unhealed trauma. So for example, if this is, this is what happened in this case, if you grow up in an environment where your mom or your dad abuses you, then as you find, go out and seek partners, 
abusive people actually feel very comfortable to you basically yeah, that, that's the irony amber heard has been abused by her dad johnny Depp by her mother physically abused so that's on, on the side note yeah but you make a very good point i see this even nowadays even with so-called quote-unquote spiritual communities or more aware people and the truth movement, whatever you know blaming their past partners oh my ex was a narcissist he was very toxic she was very narcissist this and that she was borderline and there may be truth to it but as as you just said it's easy to externalize it just fall into blame yeah. and not realizing deeper psychological and spiritual truths metaphysical truths that you always attract that and attract it to on an unconscious level what you need to bring towards wholeness within yourself exactly so that's what it comes down to exactly so i'm gonna define just to start off to what makes a karmic relationship so usually there's an intense emotional draw from the beginning because there's unfinished business so you feel almost compulsively attracted to this person um, and it often actually, these relationships often must happen in order to force one or both parties evolution. And I want to say, you know, not all these relationships are bad, but if we keep finding ourselves in toxic relationships where we feel this intense draw to them, it's, it's like then, and repeating the cycle over and over again, then it's like time to learn the lesson, you know? So I'm going to actually read Martin Schulman, uh, who's an astrologer, has a great definition about karmic relationships. And he says, all relationships contain opportunities for personal growth. Therefore, the obstacles and rewards, the pitfalls and pinnacles, the personal, particip the, the personal participation experience that shows us how we cope with our life philosophy when we, have, when we have to live what we preach. When karma is involved, we tend to feel a lack of control over the circumstances and events that occur, as well as a lack of control over how we react to these events. A person may see himself acting somewhat out of character when he is fulfilling and correcting certain past-like qualities connected to a personality with which he is no longer consciously familiar. Karmically, these qualities must be evolved if the individual is to grow more in contact with his present life. The karmic relationships takes on the tone of each individual while stripping away the illusions of the other. Through this process, new awareness are reached and a sense of lightness and freedom can be experienced as the burden of karmic weight is being released. It Interestingly enough, the karmic pattern is usually understood clearly only after a lesson has been learned. An individual can struggle through difficulties in a relationship for months or years without realizing what the struggle is all about. Only after the underlying difficulty has surfaced and been solved does a karmic burden actually resolve. The reward for the hard work is understanding, and it comes when we realize the interwoven link between past life residue and now. Karma tends to be expressed through a string of similar experiences that manifest over a period of years. When we enter a relationship, it is often because we unconsciously see something in the other individual which can help us to resolve a karmic problem. In other words, we attract who we need at the time of our life when we are ready to understand. Thus, the ancient adage, when the stu student is ready, the teacher is there, is truly the characteristic tone of why and how karmic relationships occur. That's very well said. That exactly verifies that's the idea, especially at the beginning of a relationship, the dating phase, what people call when they quote-unquote fall in love and all the butterflies in the tummy, this high feeling, this feeling infatuated, you cannot stop thinking about the other person, you feel just high on life and amazing. Right, these quote unquote romantic feelings were mistake for love, but these are based as um, in the XRP was just uh, Laura was quoting from, and it's again a deeper psychological truth. The more you have these uh, these romantic feelings at the beginning, the higher degree of the projections and unconscious material that will need to reveal itself. Yeah. The higher the level of the positive projections, which you project an idealized image, which is not necessarily how the other person is. Uh, but your own, based on your own unconscious material. And that's the attraction needs to happen on that level. Yes, on the rom the romantic love phase, also on the basic biological level for reprocation, <laughs> in a sense, uh, to keep the species going. But on a psychological, psyche level, it's also the unconscious drive to find wholeness through the other person. Exactly, yeah. And so basically my view on why this happens from personal experience and from also understanding the nature of romantic projection 
is that we have this major void in society where we have lost connection to the God or the divine or the sacred. So yes. we've lost that part of it. And that relationship actually helps give our life meaning. That's the point of it, right? Mm -hmm. But now in that void, we unconsciously have placed romantic love in the place of our relationship with the sacred, basically. So we worship the experience of falling in love. We think that being in love will complete us. We believe that that's the purpose of our life. And if you look at all those points, that's actually the purpose of the relationship with the divine. So we have this impossible task in front of us where you see that people are literally looking for the experience of God in their partner. And then what happens is, is they meet a human and then they try and make that person into God or they try and change them or they blame them or whatever, you know? But the fact of the matter is, is like there's, you can't actually place your ultimate meaning in your relationship. It's not going to work out. I've yeah. tried it. <laughs> So exactly. we, you know, we need to look at that. And I'm going to read some quotes from uh, Robert Johnson in a moment, but maybe you can say something about that as well. Yeah, or do as I mentioned, it's also reinforcing our culture, culture, you know what I mean? Official culture, uh, media, entertainment, art, all that they worship the romantic relationship. You see it in all the Hollywood movies and all of that. It's kind of, you know, the, the prince get the princess and off they go into the sunset and everything's love and light and bliss. And also, Many of us, and I'm not taking myself that equation in the past, we just mistake this romantic phase for love, you know, and once this passes and you miss and the and the idealist image drops, the shadows come up, you know, the friction, the conflict, and all of that. And we say, Oh my God, you're not the person who I thought uh, he or she was, which is true because we've been projecting in the in a romantic phase. But that's just a phase, and most people who mistake this romantic phase, this emotional bliss or high, even sexual high for love. After the romantic phase fades, which can last average up to a year, two years, even three years, who knows, depending on each individual situation, then they break up the relationship. They get in a conflict, they blame each other, and then boom, look for the next person to get the next high, right? Hence, we have a high divorce rate. Hence, we have, uh, um, you know, people just, uh, you know, dating, uh, serial dating until, you know, they, they get this high fulfilled, so to speak. But there's no conscious relating in all of that. And that's why also nowadays, by the way, there's a not only a high divorce rate, or, you know, there's a high rate of single people, both uh, men and women, like like never before. And I think the reason for this two-part, one part is also times are changing. So, you know, people become more, may on some part, really interested in themselves. But also, it's not easy to have relationships at this day and age something is changing like all this in the light of the evolution of consciousness more and more is coming up so more will come up and you'll be confronted with in relationship and i think a lot of people have also become relationship avoidant they say i'd rather be by myself there's nobody else out there for me anyway you know and they also tend to lie to themselves um you know and and kind of like self-sabotage relationship because it takes a lot of courage in the sense or you know, how can I say courage or just also a certain determination to be in a relationship and to engage in this process because many things, and I've seen this in myself, in my relationship, also with Laura, only reveal themselves in relationship and can only happen in relationship. Even Carl Jung says, you know, the whole anima animus fusion, the alchemical marriage of the inner male female can only be in relationship happen with the opposite sex. Yeah, and it's also, you know, from a practical perspective, I find that generally speaking, the average person, because of this kind of romantic love replacing God thing that I just mentioned, have these extremely high ideals yes. of romantic love that are culturally supported by all of Hollywood, by all of music. So the culture supports us to live in this delusional state that like, that romantic love replaces God basically. But, and that's fine. You can definitely have ideals in love, but, and you can hold them, but you also have to leave room for the human experience. But the issue is, is that 
not a lot of people actually want to learn about healthy relationships and learn how to have a healthy relationship. It's like people just expect like, okay, I've had a very traumatized childhood, but I want to have this divine masculine or divine feminine woman and divine union, you know, but they don't have like basic communication skills. They don't have emotional regulation skills. They're just running on unconscious patterns. That's giving them much of the same. So it does take a certain amount of work. Like if you didn't get modeled healthy attachment, healthier relating in childhood, which is a lot of us, you know, then you're coming in with a set of patterns that will repeat what you saw in your parental dynamic, what you saw in your family of origin. And it does take intentional work on kind of rewiring and changing those behavioral patterns in order to be in a healthy relationship. And then once you enter into the, into the relationship, there's a certain point where you're going to come up against challenges and differences, and you're going to need to know how to manage conflict and differentiate from your partner. So there's all sorts of skills needed. Like, I think also as well, we get this a lot, especially with our relationship, like a lot of projections towards our relationship, but people don't actually see the amount of work and intentional work that we actually have to do to build what we have together, especially working together. You know, it's not something, yeah, we, we have a basis of a foundation of an emotional connection, but at the same time, we're very different people from very different backgrounds and we communicate in very different ways. Our family of origin are very different. It's almost opposite origin, uh, opposite origins of our families. And yeah, yeah, it it requires a lot of conscious work. And the irony, what you just mentioned, people say, I want to be in a conscious relationship, but they don't put an effort to, to learn consciously about themselves, about basic relationships, psychology, trauma, shadow, all of that is very much needed and necessary. There are certain, all the different phases in a relationship, archetypally, romantic phase, differentiation, and all of that needs to be understood and held into context. And like you just said, not only in, in the mainstream media, Hollywood, this this idea, uh, this romantic relationship love is idealized, but also in, in spiritual communities, the idea of like, what how a divine masculine should be or divine feminine we project and it's just more personality traits and nowadays i think we're going to go this deep into the second hour this whole polarity teaching has taken off and especially on the conservative conservative movement and all of that the new man movement how a man is supposed to be and the woman and it's very traditional roles again but it's all from what i see very superficial personality development rather than understanding deep deep understanding of shadow work deep understanding of anima animus projections and then you another level brings in um, esoteric or evolutionary astrology and all of that how this interacts so many many levels come in yeah and it's, it's becoming very superficialized uh, in light of how um, you know divine masculine alpha male is supposed to act you know in order to attract his princess or queen and all of that even these projections of the king and the queen and it becomes all externalized and image oriented and personality development instead of going much deeper deeper within okay so we're going to start getting into some of robert johnson's material uh, from his book we which is a very amazing book which outlines this idea that romantic love has replaced our relationship with the divine um and he says in the book romantic love is the single greatest energy in the western energy system in the western psyche in our culture it has supplanted religion as the arena in which men and women seek meaning transcendence wholeness and ecstasy as a mass phenomenon romantic love is peculiar to the west we are so accustomed to living with the beliefs and assumptions of romantic love that we think it's the only form of love on which marriage or love relationships can be based we think it is the only true love, but there is much that we can learn from the East about this. In Eastern cultures like those of India or Japan, we find that married couples love each other with great warmth, often with the stability and devotion that puts us to shame. But their love is not romantic love as we know it. They don't impose the same ideals on their relationships, nor do they impose such impossible demands and expectations on each other as we do." Romantic love is not just a form of love, it is a whole psychological package, a combination of beliefs, ideals, attitudes, and expectations. These often contradictory ideas coexist in our unconscious minds and dominate our reactions and behavior without our being aware of them. We have automatic assumptions about what a relationship with another person is, what we should feel, and what we should get out of it. For romantic love doesn't just mean loving someone, it means being in love. This is a psychological phenomenon that is very specific. 
When we are in love, we believe we have found the ultimate meaning of life revealed in another human being. We feel we are finally completed, that we have found the missing parts of ourselves. Life suddenly seems to have a wholeness, a superhuman intensity that lifts us high above the ordinary plane of existence. For us, these are the sure signs of true love. The psychological package includes an unconscious demand that our lover or spouse always provide us with this feeling of ecstasy and intensity. With specific, with typical Western self-righteousness, we assume that our notion of love, romantic love, must be the best. We assume that any other kind of love between couples would be cold and insignificant by comparison. But if we Westerners are honest with ourselves, we have to admit that our approach to romantic love is not working very well. Despite our ecstasy when we are in love, we spend much of our time with a deep sense of loneliness, alienation, and frustration over our inability to make genuinely loving and committed relationships. Usually we blame other people for failing us. It doesn't occur to us that perhaps it is we who need to change our own unconscious attitudes, the expectations and demands we oppose on our relationships and on other people. This is the great wound in the Western psyche. It is a primary psychological problem of our Western culture. culture. Carl Jung said that if you find the psychic wound in an individual or a people, you also find their path to consciousness, for it is healing of our psychic wounds that we come to know ourselves. Romantic love, if we truly undertake the task of understanding it, becomes such a path of consciousness. If Westerners will free themselves from their automatic servitude to their unconscious assumptions and expectations, they will not only find a new awareness in their relationships, but an awareness of their own selves. Carl Jung has shown us when a great psychological phenomenon suddenly appears in the life of an individual, it represents a tremendous unconscious potential is rising to the level of unconsciousness. The same is true for a culture. At a certain point in a history of people, a new possibility burst forth out of the collective unconscious, a new idea, a new belief, a new value, or a new way of looking at the universe. It represents a potential good if it can be integrated into consciousness, but at first it is overwhelming, even destructive. Romantic love is one of those truly overwhelming psychological phenomenon that has appeared in Western history. It has overwhelmed our collective psyche and permanently altered our view of the world. As a society, we have not yet learned how to handle the tremendous power of romantic love. We turn it into tragedy or alienation more often than into enduring human relationships. But I believe if men and women will understand the psychological dynamics behind romantic love and learn how to handle them consciously, they will find a new possibility of relationships in themselves and others." For both men and women to look honestly at romantic love is a heroic journey. It forces us to look not only at the beauty and potential in romantic love, but also at the contradictions and illusions we carry inside of us at an unconscious level. Heroic journeys always lead through dark valleys and difficult confrontations. But if we persevere, we find a new possibility of consciousness. Mm -hmm. Amazing. That kind of reminds me the ending that... Excuse me the archetypal phases in the journey of a relationship of a committed couple also literally resembles the hero's journey yeah of the uh, based on john uh, joseph campbell's work right going through the depths of the darkness the dark night of the soul and actually from the esoteric perspective they understood i remember that also remind me of, of the christian esoteric teachings way before the church um Uh, distorted it based on Moravia's work Gnosis he talks about it I've quoted his work quite a bit he talks about the necessity to move away from carnal love which is the romantic love towards courtly love right that is the higher love ideal which is not just based on this uh, emotional romantic infatuation and projection right so they have to and the, the true commitment actually I remember David Rico in his one of his great books How to Be an Adult in Relationship in where he incorporates the hero's journey in light of the different phases in the relationship uh the true marriage from his archetypal perspective actually ha- happens a true commitment after the relationship uh, after the romantic phase is over exactly yeah that's when actually archetypally the marriage happened we're talking marriage and in, in the deeper sense of commitment not uh, a contract yes uh, Because the rom- and the romantic love phase is not to be like discounted actually, because I think it's necessary. Um, it's a form of like symbiosis where you really learn to bond and merge with the other person, you know. Yeah. Um, but the problem is, is that many people 
don't realize that that phase needs to end and it's actually a good thing that it ends and a lot of people end up just kind of chasing like how can we get the love back how can we keep the love alive you know right. but it's like it's really like when the projections start to fall at the end of the romantic love phase that's when you really start to see who the person is beyond your projections that you've painted onto them. And only when you learn how to see who the person really is, is when true love can arise. Like that's the yeah. whole point. Do you know when he wrote this book? Probably it's, it's a while back, right? Uh, I'm not sure actually, but, but- The reason I'm asking, I'm just saying, you know what I mentioned before, nowadays we have even more and more single people. People are more alone and lonely, but we are more than ever connected via the internet, the web, social media, and have actually more- access and select to other people to the opposite sex more potential for relationship ironically yeah but and i'm again i can see myself in my past especially with my astrological setup as well the you know the romantic projections are getting more intensified on social media people falling in quote-unquote love with a profile pic of somebody or pictures <laughs> or there's a lot of sexual yeah. sexy images and people feed off the attention so there's all this intellectual romance happening right Yes. On, on social media, these intense projections already, which are not helping. It's almost too much selection, mm -hmm. so to speak, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've even joined some of these like polarity groups and just kind of like perused around because I don't disagree with all of it. You know, I do think that men have become feminized through multiple factors, you know, culturally and not only just of stuff in the water and i don't want to get into that <laughs> right now but you know men have become feminized and women have become masculinized you know that happened for an evolutionary purpose but then it's almost like swung too far to the other end of the pendulum but i'm noticing you know a lot of people in these kind of dating groups and like looking for relationships is like some of them will commit to relationships without even meeting the person in person like this is what's happening wow. these days yeah. you know and like even with you and i like I felt something very deeply, like, I actually, as cheesy as it sounds, but when I first saw Bernhard's name, it, like, literally lit up to me, and I had this knowing, like, I do feel that we have some unfinished business with each other, you know, you can see that in our composite chart, but I felt that kind of draw, that kind of compulsive soul draw that is usually part of karmic relationships. Yes. That being said, and we talked a lot, I was traveling in India when we first uh, started talking on Facebook, neither of us realize that we would know for sure until we met in person that's true because there's something very distinct about when you really meet that person face to face and you feel their energy you know it's very like different. yeah so you can you know it's not a good idea like yeah you can meet a lot of different people online and have access to a lot of different people but i have to say when i was in my most avoidant attachment patterns I often chose people who didn't live close by to me as a way of never having to get in a committed as, relationship. As so as that can be a coping... Unconscious avoidance, right? Yeah, so that can be a coping mechanism. So even we, though we have this like illusion of choice and we have access to basically everyone in the world, you know, these days, generally speaking, a lot of that is like illusory or deceptive. And it's also like you can't tell until you meet a person in person and you spend some time together, you know? Well, the irony now in this day and age when right now the dating market has also shrinked in light of covid the jab and the woke mm -hmm. and all of that mm -hmm. because i mean people who are listening long-time listeners to this podcast know our attitude right we definitely question the official narrative especially the the vax and all of that and uh, it's probably not the best idea even to get in a relationship with somebody who is vaxxed uh, for various reasons by the way on that note i just um uh, published a new article a long one is over 22,000 words. It's one of, I feel personally, one of the most important articles I've written in the past three years is based on an amazing research paper and book by an author, of uh, a Steiner, Rudolf Steiner practitioner named Thomas Meyer. And the article is called COVID Vaccines, Consequences on the Soul, Spirit and Life After Death. Check it out on my website at veilofreality.com, V-E-I-L of reality.com. But going back to the uh, dating pool has really shrinked. We see this a lot. People uh, talk about it in our courses and sometimes complain, but I see this actually as a good thing. Mm. <laughs> you know, it is about quality over quantity. Yes. And yeah. it goes obviously beyond just having an intellectual understanding. It's beyond being like-minded, you know, 
be getting in a relationship with a like-minded person is great, but ultimately needs to be a person who's also deeply engaged in the same work yes. with a growth mindset. We have talked about this before. Yeah, like if you're or if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably somewhat orientated towards growth. And if you get with someone who doesn't actually isn't oriented towards growth, isn't working on themselves, isn't looking to learn and grow in any way that's that's eventually going to become a point of friction between you two because and then we've seen this time and time again so you know you have to really be clear on your values before you get into a relationship and be willing to say no so let's get into a little bit about you know how we personally healed from these kinds of dynamics and how we suggest to heal um well for people who understand astrology i have venus and scorpio conjunct my south node so i had a many series of karmic relationships for pretty much most of my life um and i knew i even knew even before i was getting into like deeper soul work like i just knew when i had unfinished business with someone i just knew that compulsive nature of the scorpio archetype was very dominant in the way that i related but I have to say, you know, I wasn't asking questions about who I was attracted to, why I was attracted to them. But there was a certain point, actually, shortly before I met Bernhard, where I was like, just dating whoever was interested in me. It was like the worst plan ever, <laughs> you know, just if like, and I, and a lot of passive people will do that, you know, they'll just be like, oh, this person's interested in me. Okay, I might as well just be with them because they're interested in me. I didn't have any discernment. I didn't know my values. I wasn't willing to say no. That's a key thing is that... You need to know your values and what you're looking for. You also need to have self-value, which we'll talk about deeper in the second hour when we get into the evolutionary astrology aspects, you know. But don't underestimate how your early attachment patterns are affecting who you choose and the important work of like not falling for the same compulsive patterns that you have before, basically. So even before I met Bernhard, I may have said this on their podcast, but I want to reiterate there was something deep within my soul where I was just like, I am never getting those kinds of relationships ever again. And I really meant it. It was almost like I cast, like, uh, like I broke like a cord of karma in that moment. Like when you're really sincere about not wanting to repeat a dynamic and you're like, I'm never doing that again. And I'm going to spot the people who are going to bring me into that toxic dynamic again. And I'm not going to even converse with them. And you make that kind of boundary around you. I swear it can really resolve a lot of these patterns. But what I see a lot of people People is acting compulsively, unconsciously, not being willing to say no, you know, not ignoring the red flags, you know. Or having extreme um, idealized images, what we talked about before, of yes. how a person should be, right? Yes, Again, yes. as David Rico said, as, as long as you have the image of the dream partner in your conscious, in your mind, the fantasy, it's a huge sign that you have work to do on yourself because yes. you're just projecting your own a golden shadow externally onto the other person of somebody who can fulfill you. Yeah. But, you know, from my experience healing these relationships, I mean, I've been in some pretty intense relationships. I even wrote an article more, the love by type as well. But I also had to take responsibility. I see, again, a lot of people abusing this love by type relationship based on Eve Logan's work, again, to demonize their partner without taking a responsibility of why they got engaged in it and attracted from a basic shadow Jungian um, or trauma perspective because here's another psychological truth um, the first three years of everybody's life are set up the relationships you will have with the opposite sex for the rest of your life unfortunately that's that's and it's mostly unconscious so you know there's attachment theory attachment uh, you know different attachment styles and all of that and it's unconscious you know and astrology we're going to go deeper into astrology more evolutionary astrology also in the second hour especially laura it can help. Like astrology, again, has been distorted, it can be abused, it can be too much in your head, you can get too much identified, but it's, it can help to give an objective understanding. For example, with me, I have uh, Venus in Pisces in the eighth house. This is also very... That's yearn your anima, actually. That's yearning for deep relationship, absolutely. You transformative relationships, yeah. right? But it's also been squaring my Neptune in the fifth house. So I've been dealing with all kinds of fantasies and delusions and romantic projections I got myself involved to very naively, yeah. right? Until yeah. I had to learn the hard way. But the only way to learn was to engage in these relationships and mm -hmm. not become really... I was easily a relationship avoidant for many years, stay single, uh, but then it's interesting, the inner drive of the psyche makes wants to make itself uh, known. So you naturally then seek out and get attracted, you know, use the attraction, you know, to engage, to make the uh, quote unquote darkness conscious or the unconscious conscious. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I think it's really important too. you know, we get out of this like personality to personality dating. Mm. And that was one thing that I learned, like I was a Libra son. So especially with my own background and people pleaser patterns of the past is like, I would literally put on an image and then I would meet the person from a fake personality. It sucks because then if yeah. I'm meeting someone from that space, then I'm setting myself up to disappoint them and I'm, I'm showing them part of me that's not real. So I think that you know, stop be not being fake and be really yourself up front. Be really clear about what you're looking for. It may seem scary for people, especially since a lot of dating material is like play games, don't text back too fast, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> you know, I don't personally think that works. Not for, not for the kind of relationship that I've always been looking for. You know, we both have, you have Venus and eighth house. I have Venus and Scorpio is like, I was always looking for depth. And if I'm showing up as a, my fake persona, then that's not going to draw deep relationships. And I have to say, being willing to say no to the right partner, but then also being willing to say yes when the when someone who's potentially the right partner arrives is important, meaning you have to be able to go in there, take a risk, you know, when it gets to be something that seems like you guys are on the same page with your values, your direction, being willing to make that commitment, you know, I think that marriage is awesome too these days. I think that people really underestimate the power of marriage and of what it does. Right. And, and and yeah, commitment and like, yeah, there is something to getting married to someone, I have to say. Like, it's not like, you know, you can just peace out that easily. You know, you have this deeper kind of commitment between you. Um, and also just learn some relationship skills too, like basic learning how to communicate your feelings without blaming the person, self-regulation, learn your attachment patterns, how that shows up in relationship. So at least you have some sort of clue in the ways that you relate and what might need to be worked on. So it's not just a total surprise for you. Um, yeah, and that, that also a big thing, which also I had to kind of accept, um, accept my own romantic projection of what I, what I thought a conscious relationship entails conflict is part of the picture yeah so embrace conflict not embracing conflict in the sense of in initiating always conflict but conflict is an opportunity when this stuff comes up right when there's need to differentiate to bring unconscious material to the front to pierce through the projections so it's learning con uh, conflict resolution skills because there's an, always an opportunity from an esoteric psychological and spiritual perspective when conflict arises if both people can take self-responsibility don't get into blame god in, don't get into the the shadow dance on the other side of the coin and that's a big uh um you know woozer so to speak for a lot of people If there's no conflict at all, there can be actually a red flag. Yes. A lot of couples have unconscious conflict, phobia, conflict, avoidant, and they just exist on a superficial level. They want to, don't want to rock the boat, right? Or oftentimes one person is maybe more dominant and the other person, be it the, the woman or the man, more submissive. And, you know, and hence there's also no conflict because of this inequality. And some person just adjusts to the other person all the time, codependency. Lo losing themselves in the process. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to close off with actually the, one of the most profound quotes that I've ever read actually about this idea of romantic love and how it's replaced religion. Um, and then in the second hour, we're really going to get into the evolutionary astrology as factors involved in relationships, Taurus, Libra, Pisces archetypes. We're going to talk about conflict a little bit more, trends we see in relating and a bunch of other stuff. So, and again, this is from Robert Johnson's uh, We. So he says, what we seek constantly in romantic love is not human love or human relationship alone. We also seek a religious experience, a vision of wholeness. Here is the meaning of the magic, the sorcery, the supernatural in the love potion. There is another world that is outside the vision of our ego minds. It is the realm of the psyche, the realm of the unconscious. It is there that our souls and our spirits live. For unknown to our conscious Western minds, our souls and spirits are psychological realities, and they live on in our psyches without our knowledge. And it is there in the unconscious that God lives, whoever God may be for us as individuals. Everything that resides on the other side in the realm of the unconscious appears to the ego as being outside the natural human realm, 
Thus, it is magical. It is supernatural. To the ego, the experience of the other world is no different from religious experiences. The religious urge, the aspiration, means a seeking after the totality of one's life, the totality of self, that which lives outside the ego's world in the unconscious and the unseen vastness of psyche and symbol. We have learned that romantic love draws on a huge power system in the unconscious, an energy so great that we can only speak of it in the language of religion and mysticism. We adore, we worship our beloved, meaning when we are in love, we are completed, we are in heaven, we die. Here is revealed the quest for Godhead, fire from heaven, spiritual enlightenment, meaning consciousness of self. In the West, as in no other culture in history, this huge force is routed not into our religion or our mystical life, but into our human loves. Romantic love has become the channel which which this awesome force flows into daily human life. Now we are asking, what are we to do with this awesome force? How can we channel it correctly so that it will enrich our lives in the realms of both spirit and of relationship rather than sabotage them? This dream answers us in clear and vivid language. And he, he puts in quotes, put the divine part of yourself back into the cathedral where it belongs and live the human part of yourself where it belongs in ordinariness and simplicity. We must take our soul out of romantic love and return it to an inner place, the inner cathedral. Beautiful. And that's exactly the gateway towards divine union and that will go deep into the second hour as well as a matter of fact the romantic love and also even karmic and toxic relationships as um obviously have a bad rap nobody wants to engage in it but they are also from this deeper esoteric spiritual and psychological perspective they are stepping stones towards the divine union and many people want a spiritual bypass. I'm not taking myself out of the equation in the past we want a spiritual bypass we want to have this fulfilling conscious divine union right away but some uh, it entails going through the the karma and the toxicity of our own unconsciousness our own trauma and shadow aspects that most often reveals itself only in relationship you know hypothetically the whole drama between Johnny Depp and Amber Heard could could pull them to the to a divine union but they're too much in a consensus state <laughs> absolutely like yeah. you know theoretically speaking but you know again there are different levels of soul embodiment consensus state individuated state obviously and all of that so it's probably not going to happen for them in this lifetime around Uh, but again, these are the stepping stones towards divine union. Um, so before we end this first hour, again, as uh, Laura mentioned at the beginning, we're starting another round of our 12-week in-depth private group coaching program, Time of Transition Embodied Soul Awakening, starting July 25th until October 15th. It's by application only, as always, and um, limited to 40 people. You can find out more about it and also apply at thetimeoftransition.com. Again, that's thetimeoftransition.com. Also on my website, there's a link as well. And speaking of my website, if you're not already a member and or want access to the second hour, please sign up to the membership at my website, veilofreality.com, V-E-I-L of reality.com. It gives you access to the second hour. And the membership forum. And as I mentioned before, I just published a very new article long. It's pretty deep, pretty intense, uh, called COVID vaccines consequences on the soul, spirit, and life after death. And with that being said, see you all in the second hour. Mm -hmm.